The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. God of abundant life, by the gift of your Spirit, tune our hearts and minds to hear your living word afresh. May our lives be an answer to your eternal word. Through Jesus Christ, the risen one. A reading from the 114th Psalm, Listen for God's Word to You. When Israel came out of Egypt, when the house of Jacob came out from a people who spoke a different language, Judah was God's sanctuary, Israel was God's territory. The sea saw it happen and ran away, the Jordan River retreated. The mountains leapt away like rams, the hills leapt away like lambs. See, why did you run away? Jordan, why did you retreat? Mountains, why did you leap away like rams? Hills, why did you leap away like lambs? Earth trembled. Tremble before the Lord, tremble before the God of Jacob, the one who turned that rock into a pool of water, that flintstone into a spring of water. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Listen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. After the seven, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples he's been raised from the dead. 
He is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I have given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, the women hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell Jesus' other disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. Oh, they came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1816, summer never came to New York. Summer never came to Italy. Summer never came to China. All across the Northern Hemisphere, it snowed when it should not have been snowing. On the 4th of June in Vermont, snow drifts three feet high, smothered the wheat and barley. All summer long, farmers in Massachusetts and in the Pyrenees and in the Yangtze River Valley would awake to a new frost. Time and time again, they would retill the soil, hoping, praying, that July's crops would make it, that August's crops would make it that September's crops would make it. They labored under a March gray sky, the sun an ivory disk that you could gaze upon with the naked eye. In 1816, no one knew why summer refused to come. More than a few preachers suspected the wrath of God and said as much from their pulpits. It would be decades before scientists pieced together an understanding of weather patterns and how they could disperse ash from a volcano's explosion the year before. It would be years before geologists invented the scale that would measure the explosion of Mount Tambora as the most powerful powerful volcanic event in recorded human history. In 1816, you could see the shape of the sun, but not the deadly veil of particulates that spread through the upper atmosphere, blocking the heat of the sun's rays. All you knew was that sensation in your gut, something had snapped. A little more than two centuries later, we are so very familiar with that feeling. Coronavirus. SARS-CoV-2 has thrown the whole world off kilter. Pandemic has swept normal off the table, sometimes laying bare the mess that normal covered up. And just 
as the eruption of Mount Tambora killed over 10,000 people who lived on that island in the Indonesian archipelago, just as the aftermath killed thousands more from starvation and disease. We are watching a disease that we have never encountered steal the lives of more than 100,000 people, most of whom live here in the richest country in the world. This pandemic has shaken us to our core, and we might well wonder, will summer even come? In our gospel reading, the events of Easter morning are also seismic. The earth literally shakes underneath our feet. Imagine the panic rising in Mary Magdalene's chest. She and her sister disciple had returned to the place where they kept vigil on Friday, the place where their hope died. Jesus, alongside, they had served in ministry, now lay cold and dead in that tomb. And now an earthquake, an earthquake threatened to crush his bones before they could be given a proper burial. Look, even the stone covering the mouth of the tomb is rolling away, jostled by the shockwaves. That first Easter morning was not quiet. It quaked and rattled and roared. The resurrection does not come gently like spring leaves unfolding from the buds of tree and vine. The, the resurrection has more in common with a volcano. But even that image falls short, like any image from the natural world. Simply put, resurrection is not natural. Dead bodies naturally stay dead. To treat the resurrection as a, a symbol of spiritual rebirth or as a comforting return to normalcy is to miss the first gift of Easter. Expectations will be shattered. Jesus is raised and he is not here. As for me, you can find me on the floor, picking up shards of my expectations to glue back together. I don't think I'm alone in this. My mental picture of how life should proceed is often much simpler than the mess of people and crossfire intentions in front of me. Why shouldn't I prefer my version? A good friend recently challenged me about clinging to what I think should happen. He listens to enough jazz to know that joy, truly vital, electric joy, isn't on the notes in the page, but in improvisation. 
we shared this story of Winston Marsalis, trumpet virtuoso and musical legend. Through the 80s and 90s, Marsalis practically ruled the jazz universe, enjoying virtually unqualified admiration as a musician and unsurpassed influence as the music's leading motor and definer. By 2002, however, Marsalis's career began to buckle and quake. When he stepped onto the stage at the Village Vanguard one August night in New York City, the audience could sense the strain weighing down. When he began to play the plaintive song, I don't stand a ghost of a chance with you. They could feel his trumpet translate his melancholy, which murmurs and sighs. At the climax of the song, Marsalis played the final phrase in declarative tones, allowing each successive note to linger in the air just a bit longer. I don't stand a ghost of a chance. And then a cell phone rang. A sing-song of electronic beeps pierced the rapt silence of the room. At that point, Marsalis might simply have stormed off stage or berated the audience or disappeared into the night. Instead, he paused for a Motionless, his eyebrows raised. The cell phone offender scooted into the hall, and live chatter in the room grew louder. Still frozen at the microphone, Marcellus replayed that silly cell phone melody note for note. Then he repeated it and began improvising variations on it. The audience slowly came back to him. In few minutes, he had changed keys once or twice and eased back into a valid tempo. Then he ended up exactly where he had left. I don't stand a ghost of a chance with you. The story, this story aches all the more because Winton Marsalis' father, Ellis, another jazz legend, died of COVID-19 on April 1st. This Easter Sunday, Marsalis is improvising again, finding a new way beyond the border of the map. That's the first gift of Easter. But it isn't the only gift the women received that day. It would have been enough to hear the angel's message and to pass it along to their sisters and brothers. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. But then Jesus met them on the road. Jesus told them himself, 
I am going to Galilee. You will see me there. God doesn't just shatter expectations and then shrug. Ah, good luck figuring out what's next. No, God shows up in the present, promises to meet us on the road ahead, and turns us around so that we aren't looking back at the past that has slipped away from us. What a tremendous gift, this promise, you will see me. It terrifies, too, because you will see me there is not here. At the beginning of our 40-day journey to Easter, we took up a practice to love our neighbors and to receive our neighbors' love in return. This kind of discipline pushes us beyond the four walls of this sanctuary to where our neighbors work and play and risk and dream. We didn't know then that halfway through, we would be forced outside of this sanctuary. We didn't anticipate that we'd need to reckon with the walls of our own homes. Who would have thought that neighbor love in 2020 would involve maintaining six feet or more of distance from one another? Today, on Easter Sunday, on the first day of the week, first day of the new creation, what we expected goes out the window. Now is the time for the Spirit to move among us, sparking new opportunities for love and connection. We've already felt resurrection power surge in the whirring of sewing machines as craft-minded neighbors stitch together masks to keep our community safe. Resurrection fire is burning in the startling increase of opportunities to gather online for prayer and study. Resurrection music is humming in the voices of neighbors calling to check in with each other. God's resurrection power shakes us up. If we are comfortable, then we are not living in the new creation. So many times I've caught myself say or heard others say, I'm looking forward to when things get back to normal. But the astonishing good news is that God has something bigger in mind for us the way things used to be. We would surely grieve God's heart if we refused to create different ways of building community or limited our spiritual growth to one hour of worship on a Sunday morning. We would absolutely frustrate God's imagination if we emerged from this crisis without agitating for hazard pay for essential workers or without questioning why our healthcare system operates the way it does. 
this Easter morning. The words of a disciple that ruffled more than a few feathers, Dorate Sulla, are ringing in my ears. God dreams us, and we should not let God dream alone. Beloved of the risen one, do not be afraid, and do not let God dream alone. Raise a ruckus with the God who shook the earth and who broke the rules of nature by raising Jesus from the dead. Take a cue from the people of Italy and Spain, standing out on their balconies, banging pots and pans. They make raucous music to say, I am here with you. We are in this together. They beat their cookware in protest, demanding their governments invest in public health. The power that split the sea and made the mountains tremble swells in their splendid noise. Let us join them. Grab your pots or pans and a spoon that won't bend them out of shape. Every beat will be our saying no to the status quo that holds us and our neighbors back from joy. Every beat will be our saying yes to moving ahead where Jesus is, still moving in the world healing, teaching, feeding hungry bodies. I'm going to unmute participants on Zoom so that we can hear you make noise. All right, ready? Let her rip! Amen. Yeah. 